0: soul can fully commit to being here then it's safe to start opening the portals to uh, the other worlds more deeply close down our heart and you know and not not love that deeply again in order to not feel that suffering lots of the soul don't want to be here then they fuck off so in other words the there are parts of our souls that have longed not to be here because to those parts, these are dense worlds where our memory of the heights is lost. And so when the doorways to the heights open up again, those parts of the soul just want to fly away. They want to go home. And that's the, that's the Thanatos part of Eros. So eros in Greek myth is like the love of life and creation, but thanatos is the desire for death, the desire to not exist, which is deep <coughs> in the core of every soul, and part of the existential crisis is that crisis of when there's no meaning, when there's just a longing for God, when there's just a longing for home, then there's a part of us that really struggles to be here. and deal with the mortgage and the stupidity of the local council or whatever it is that you're having to focus on. So, most prayer, you know, <laughs> after the dark masculine comes light feminine, and most prayer historically has been a prayer for help, you know, like, but it's mainly help for ourselves, like help, help my life or... Um, take me home or give me meaning or something. But when the soul fully lands, when you have committed to being here, it's like committing to be in a marriage or something, You're, you're saying yes. And so when you say yes, there isn't an escape anymore. So then instead of the energy wanting to go up, you become a stable anchor point for the energy to come in. Okay, so that the energy that wants to move into the world through human souls can arrive. Otherwise, it's too busy meeting our energy trying to go home. So we're going to have a day and a temple tonight of, of the calling in of help from the subtle worlds. And uh, people have lots of different experience with this. And you'll have had lots of inner subjective experience. My own experience is that this time, of the, this time actually, Wednesdays at 10 o'clock, was the time that I spent and most deeply connected to my Tibetan teacher, Master Duaokul. And we wrote books together at this time for about seven years of my life. Um, and that opening of that connection was, was um, a real deep struggle for me. And the reason it was is because um, I'd had experience with people doing channeling and the Pleiades coming in and so on, and but I was a scientist, and the last thing I wanted was to spend my life, you know, being a connecting point for subtle entities that are mainly that looked to me like a kind of wish fulfillment. They were full of like dearly beloveds. You are the chosen one. You are special, and so it felt like a longing to have an imaginary friend that told you that you mattered, you know? And I, and I, I didn't really feel like I needed that. But um, I did have a deep longing in me when I wrote my book in New Zealand uh, to, to do something for my country, to do something for the world because my soul wanted to have power to influence and I didn't have enough. So that longing started to bring in connections, and it culminated for me in going to Tibet before this place landed, and my experience in Tibet, um, it was actually the mountain, it was Mount Kailash, and on the way to the mountain, once I saw it, I have crossed the Tibetan plateau, felt the deep inner call. actually from these mountains here, from Tongariro, I was driving past one day, and there was just this call Kalagia, come to the Himalayas, like come. And so, I, okay, I'm going. And it was this mountain that called me, that <clears> called <throat> me in 2000. And after days crossing the Tibetan plateau at 16,000 feet where it felt like, I don't know if I was having a, a spiritual experience or whether I was just altitude sickness or it was very strange in the heights. And this mountain came into view and everything in me just broke open, like something in me broke. And I was in a, in a Land Rover with four other people, and I'm sobbing and wailing in the back, and they're looking at me like, what the fuck, Bruce, like, what's happening? And I, I couldn't tell them that inside me I was in bliss, I was in utter bliss. The outside of me was catharting everywhere, but I wasn't in the cathart, I was in the bliss. I remember that mountain. How do I remember that mountain? I don't know, but I know everything in me. Just like a beloved, a beloved, you know? And that memory that that's carved through my life, you know, it was like I was carrying something inside me that all of my life was just waiting for that moment to break open and so I couldn't talk to them so I just opened the door of the Land Rover and ran out into the snow, and, and then just went insane for about half an hour. I laughed, and I cried, and I raged, and my body flapped around in the snow as some deeper part of me just said, Okay, now, like I've got you here. I've got you here for this. I've got you here to remind you of who you are, and what you came to do, and what's important that's been sleeping inside you all of your life. And so it's not something that I could do. it's just something that I could either say yes to and let happen or not and so in that moment i'm 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 like okay, I, I get it. I get it there's a there's a deeper part of me that's just been tugging at me all my life, and now it's deciding to arrive it's deciding and part of that deciding was wasn't a, a kind of pre incarnational deal to that it was already a connection to you know, spiritual worlds that was like, okay, I, I'm incarnate in the West, but I have this deep connection to Tibet, so part of my journey is this. And then that opened up old memories and past lives, and so I'm like, okay, I'm a scientist, like I also have a rational brain and mind, and so either I am going insane or I'm, Having past life recalls, or I'm um, or I'm like you know so desperate in my life for an interesting experience that I'm creating something from some part of my being, you know so all of those things go on to the, the rational mind and um, but I also knew that the love and the bliss that I was experiencing was something I'd never experienced from another human being and always longed for I'd always longed for the degree of intimacy that I was experiencing and so I I couldn't you know make it not worth putting attention to so I my scientist self said okay not only am I having this experience but I'm also having a deep intimacy with with a, a being like this this and my experience of this being was like an old friend like a deep old friend and teacher who I'd known forever and who loved me in a way that that was a struggle for me to really deeply receive because that love saw everything in me in a way that you know humans hadn't um, so I, I created a scientific deal like okay I'll tell you what I'll well, well, I'll open myself to this connection for an hour a week on a Wednesday at 10 o'clock, you know, and then we'll see. I'll see whether in six months' time or whatever, then this has actually had a practical influence on my life that I want to see around me more love and more, I want to see something real, not just something that's inflating my ego or, and um, within four weeks I knew I was fucked, you know, I knew that, actually, the truth was that this was more important to me than anything in my life. Like, that was just my truth. And I could feel the effect of that around me. Not just on people, but on plants and on on my own body. And I could feel this was love. This was love. And my biggest obstacle was allowing myself to be loved, to let it come in. And it wasn't, you know, letting someone in sexually, it was letting someone into the most core part of my soul that I understood to be me. Letting, it was like someone was talking to me on the inside of my soul. And um, so then that began a journey of like, well, okay, if this, if this matters to me, and if this is impacting me and bringing something real into my life, then then I I have to share this. I, I I have to. It's not for me. It's through me. And so then came the whole social suicide of like, oh my God, I'm going to have to speak up for the fact that there are disincarnate beings that want to help humanity, and they you can contact them, and they can you know help you. And I'm like. Yes, mom, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, like, I know, I know, I'm your little Brucey that you had high hopes for and now I've turned into this weirdo, you know, I'm sorry, dad, you know, my my, my career in university has, like, taken me here, but actually it seems like I have this deal with a disincarnate Tibetan teacher to, like, bring some information to humanity that, like... Have a cup of tea, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then also the, the 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 impact on my tradition, which was a trans-Himalayan tradition, is which is that everybody wants to talk about this, but no one's allowed to say that that's actually happening because then that's that's like breaks the code. And uh, so that that experience of wanting to speak about something that's so important that's so important that at the core of every human soul is a doorway into help like and such beautiful help not help that wants to instruct me to do something because it's help from beings that have been through the human journey and they don't know how to live in the 20th century you know, like, this guy was a lama, a lama in a Tibetan monastery in the 16-1700s. That's when he broke his doorway open into the subtle worlds. And so he doesn't know much about, you know, iPhones. But his consciousness is wise in all of the subtle world dimensions. And those beings want to help. Like they're part of the soul of humanity. They're part of the, the harvest of, of lifetimes of people seeking to be here and remember who they are. And so that energy of those beings that's really trying to help humanity and not to, to, make, to lift up individuals, but to flow through individuals into the world. And whether that's silently in prayer and meditation or whether that's um, through people's hearts it's like it's happening all of the time anyway, but to be conscious of it and to cooperate with it brings in a much deeper power. And then of course the process of manifesting means that it's not just enough to bring it through your soul and to your heart, you've got to bring it down into your sexuality and into your body so that you can hold it on the physical plane. And so now that capacity to channel subtle world energy is really impacting your chakra system and your etheric system. and that's really what's behind all of the Tantra, is to wake up instruments, so that the music of the cosmos can be played through them. And then humanity's just not left here alone <coughs> with a bunch of stupid politicians trying to come up with five-year plans that are obviously are unintelligent and self-interested, and Earth can become part of cosmos again, part of the intelligence of cosmos, so feels like this time on the planet is a time for the grounding of the world soul, and it needs to be done intelligently with all of our scientific understanding of the process, not just in a flaky kind of New Age way. So how do we intelligently understand the science of transmitting wisdom and energy from subtle worlds into our more dense physical worlds in such a way that flowers the evolution of life on the planet? Like, that's part of this fifth ray journey. And because we're scientists, in other words, we're, we're testing something out, it actually it's a laboratory. One of the things that scientists need is equipment, like to make the data. And for me, that equipment was a lifetime of meditation, partly awakened from previous lives of meditation, of learning how to center my awareness in a particular place where that transmission was possible. So a lot of people experience psychic phenomena, which I call astral phenomena, which is really their emotional body connecting with people on, this, on the emotional plane, the astral world. But This is very specific meditation that takes you to the higher mental plane and to what's called the causal body. And we'll go through the process of like how to do that meditation to send up a, a connection or a leader point that that energy can flow down. So that's the equipment. You can't, like, like Galileo needed a telescope. Our system has equipment, and if we want to test whether or not we can receive these energies, we have to have that equipment, and we have to calibrate that equipment. So that's what meditation is. It's learning how to calibrate your subtle world equipment so that it can receive and then there's the process of the group instrument because it's one thing for an individual to be able to receive subtle world impressions but when a group are all tuning their group equipment like a telescope you know that has many different um, lenses and all focused in the same direction then huge energies can pour through and those energies flower through a field into the world and then this doesn't just become a place where individuals come for their own awakening or their own initiation, but where they are used for that energy to flow through to others into the world. And for that me was the key to contact. The key is contact is why do you want the contact? If the contact is because I want to be special, I want to receive initiation, I want I'm curious it's like I, then then it, it is not the motive. Because that motive will just cause the self to inflate anything to its personal. But if the motive is genuine, bowed service to humanity, because your heart is broken open with feeling everything but not knowing what to do, not knowing how to help, feeling the powerlessness of one human being, like how the fuck can I change the Amazon rainforest or the whatever it's like? I know I'm part of this. I know I am this. I know I need help. I don't, know, I don't know where that help's coming from. Please, fucking help me. Like That's the prayer of every human heart. That's what's been going up from churches and, and things for thousands of years, like that cry for help. And the help is there. It just requires that we calibrate our equipment to receive it, like we actually have to receive it. It's like trying to get extraterrestrial intelligence. We have to have the receiver, and we have to have the motive. We have to care. We have to want this energy to move through this through us to others, not just be blocked in us. So it's all like like becoming a hose instead of a a, a bowl, so that the energy can move through. So today is gonna be. You know, our practice in that, and we're going to end up in a temple tonight, which will be a prayer temple, and, and an Asclepian temple, which means Asclepius was, was a Greek healer um, and who had everybody sleep together so that um, the group dreaming and, uh, and uh, the serpents would crawl over everybody at night, and in the morning the subtle world would have um, supported whatever healing needed. So lucid dreaming is active in the field, and we're not just here in our conscious selves. We're here in a field, and our souls are here in a field connecting with each other, opening to each other. Our hearts are opening. Our bodies are opening. So that's part of calibrating the physical equipment. And if we calibrate the subtle world equipment, which is our soul's willingness to pray together, to call for help together, then those subtle energies can wash through us. So we're building towards uh, a temple of prayer and invocation, and sleep together if you want tonight. So just a little bit on the calibration before we do some meditation, um, you know the purpose of raising Kundalini of you know working with Tantra and the chakras and so on is to is to build a mechanism that can respond to the subtle world. So part of that is as Kundalini awakens, of course it hits all of your sexual and emotional stuff, and then comes to the heart, and then comes back. The the two major difficult places in the body for Kundalini is in the solar plexus, in the higher solar plexus, because as that energy coils up here, there's two centers here. And the higher center is where you shift that energy of um emotional mars has to come up through neptune in the higher solar plexus in devotion and aspiration rather than in achieving something in the world that breaks open the heart and then when the heart opens it hits the the back of the heart this place where your kind of dragon's wings are and it accumulates be- between your shoulder blades and then there's another important jump which is across the back of the head into this head center, which is the ultimate major center at the back of the head. So that requires an act act of visualization, actually, to help that jump across the back of the neck. You need to support that with consciousness. And when you can support that with consciousness, it's like a, a lightning jump across into the back of the head. When the energy comes into the back of the head, it starts to circulate in the head between these three major centers, the pineal um, and the third eye and the ultra major. And as it circulates, you can have the inner experience of like radiance in the head. It's like having a sun inside the head. And then once that experience stabilizes, then it becomes apparent that in the center of the sun is is like a hole or a doorway or a portal. And so you can go through that, and now you'll pop through into the crown center. And then when you're in the crown center, of course you're open to the subtle worlds, but the first world is the astral world, the emotional realm. And so that is where you start to receive impressions, but those impressions are often the clogged fogginess of the astral plane. If you keep going, you can get onto the mental plane. So this is the the, the higher mind. And there's what, in the Tibetan tradition, they would call the causal body, or the kairira sarira. It's the, it's the place where the jewel in the lotus lives. So, <clears throat> so here would be a, um, a symbol of that. This is these planes. This is where most of humanity lives. This is like the personality of humanity. On these subtle planes is the soul of humanity, which is, which we call hierarchy because it's a hierarchy of love. It's the ashrams of the soul of the world. And here's what's called Shambhala, which is the realm of spirit. So to build the bridge between humanity and hierarchy between the soul of the world and the personality of the world, there's this place on the higher mental plane to get to. And this place has the causal body, which is a, an energy structure, and the causal body is what holds the memories of your previous lives, and it's what holds the kind of purpose trace for the incarnation. So, if you can get your consciousness into the causal body, then um, you can begin to open the door to the more subtle worlds. And what lives in the in the causal body? It's like a it's like a folded up lotus. And as different qualities of the soul open, it's like petals, petals open. And when the petals fully open, inside is a jewel, like an octahedron crystal. And this is Om Mani Padmi Ham. This is the jewel in the lotus. So the jewel in the lotus, if you can center your awareness there, it becomes like that pristine, clear I amness. ness That's where the light becomes, this blue-white light of the will. And then from that jewel, you can send up your leader. So what a leader is, is in the world of plasma, in a lightning storm, everything sends up leaders, like trees and steeples send up plasmic leaders. And the leaders from the clouds that are full of plasma come down, and when they touch, lightning flashes. So help from the subtle worlds through the jewel and the lotus is like lightning. A small version of it is every time you have an amazing idea Wow! You're lit up by an idea flash. So this is like a spiritual lightning that can come through the jewel if you can get your awareness stably there send up your leader and then down comes that subtle world help but it requires calibration, it requires a bridge between this world and that world. And in a way, the, the great mystics and meditators and so on of the world together form part of that bridge between humanity and the soul of the world. And it's through that bridge that help can come. Like this is where, where the soul of the world, when humans really ask for help, that we can't do it ourselves, electing Trump hasn't worked, like how, how are we going to, really call for the deeper parts of us, the spiritual guidance and governance that we need on the planet, how is that going to arrive? Well, it has to arrive through the calibrated instruments of people doing their soul work and coming together to do their soul work. So, it can go a lot more into the esoterics, but the main thing is to just get a sense that when we meditate together we're starting to form a field. And that field can support each other. Like some people may be really good, you know, they've really done that piece of the building of their own structure where the heart is really strong. Other people may have done this work really well. Some people are really good up here. We can help each other in a group field. That flow, if we're open to each other, supports everybody. So when one person can get up into the causal body and then they reach out, help to another, then it's like climbing a mountain together we can all get to the mountain top because we're roped together through our erotic and our heart and our care and our and our and our motive so we help each other up to the top of the mountain and then on the mountain we all sit around and call in the lightning and this is eventually a field for group initiation and what group initiation is is basically the electrocution of the soul what i would call it it's that it's the, ch- the, the lightning charge of the world soul accelerating the evolution of the individual soul by impacting the jewel and the lotus, unfolding the petals, which how that experience is down here as a body-mind is, boom, the soul is, is registered powerfully inside your consciousness, inside your mind and your body. But it's also playing with fire, you know, it's actual fire, of a subtle world, and so anyone who knows they've had a strong spiritual experience, often you can be ungrounded, mm-hmm. so unless you ground, and that's what the rooting experience of last night was, unless you ground, then you can't earth the fire, okay? The, it takes you up into the <laughs> subtle worlds, and now you're space spacey, and you can't really function, so our work is to ground the fire, to land it. It's a seventh ray temple, and this is a seventh ray age coming, which means that instead of aspiring for the heights, we stay on the ground and call down fire. We're calling down the fire of the world soul through us into the world. So we want eventually to have our mandala working as our energy um, hum that can have more and more intense energy move through it and increases the, the electricity in the field so that when we get to um, the end of our time together, each person is going to have time in the middle. And so when we brought our sword down yesterday, that sword is not just our personal sword, it's one sword. Arthur's sword in the stone is the spirit anchored in our, in our chakra system. And to pull the sword from the stone is to be able to have the soul pull out of the body and come back into the body. Okay, but the body won't let the sword go if the sword's just gonna fuck all relationship, chase, resist game. Your body will not let your soul go unless it knows your soul is committed to coming back. Okay, no down, no return. So once we're fully rooted here and we give our will and our choice, I am here, then we can go because we'll come back and we'll come back with power and energy. So when we're in a mandala too and when we're someone sharing, you can take your essence, your sword out of your container and help them put your sword in them. So that when someone stands in the middle, they have 30 swords down their spine. When someone stands up and standing rock in the States, or someone stands up for the world soul somewhere else in the world, at night all of our swords go and go down their spine and stand with them and strengthen them. That's part of the world soul supporting each other. And when somebody's having a really high experience where, oh my God, I feel like I am the world, and it doesn't last, but when you're having that experience, enormous soul resources are in you. They're choosing you in that moment because something is moving through you. And then when that moment passes, then they distribute themselves again. So that's why we have to break the egoic narcissism of our own special journey. And understand that we are instruments for the world's soul. There is only one of us. And more and more of that will land in us to the extent that we are serving that in the world. It wants to move through the individual. But it's not you. And if it's just going to inflate your ego to think that you're special, then it it gets in the way. So we're training ourselves to open ourselves to energy, to allow it to move through us, to dedicate that. You know, we're, we're modern day priests and priestesses. This is what places like this were for how to bring deeper energy through us, transmit it, and then transmit it as a group. And the two parts of group work are, one, we can accelerate everybody's healing and wholeness through the group process, because what's in me and what's in you and what's in you come together, and everybody can drink from this rich field of of medicine that we are. But then it has to flow through us into the world. And that's not just a process of, well, each of us go out into the world and carry a piece. It's also a collective process that energy can move through us. We become a chakra. And that chakra doesn't exist for its own sake. It exists for energy to move through it. So we're we're training ourselves on Wednesdays to become a calibrated instrument for energies to move through. And those energies, the result of them moving through us will be to transform our own lives, but also to flow out in practical ways, but also in energetic, esoteric ways. And prayer and meditation has always been a way to allow energies to move. And sometimes, yes, that translates down into other things, but it translates also on its own level. Okay, so... So, just feel also welcome to open to your own allies and guides and connections that have been there as part of your life. For me, this center has three really important guides, which are basically beings in the subtle worlds that support this. And um, they don't really have identities, like, but. For the, because we have identities, we like to think subtle worlds have identities because we can relate to them. So these beings to me are Master Moria, who is, a, who is from the, the Vedic Indian tradition, Dwalkul, the Tibetan, from the Tibetan, and Magdalene from the Christian tradition. Those three energies are like rays one, two, and seven. And since we started this place, their presence has been part of our deep meditative cycle as allies, as supporters. There's no way that you know, just as human beings, this is a huge, stupid project would never happen without subtle world support. So you'll have your own guides and your own energy sources and streams. And when we create a calibrated instrument, all of those energies can start to pour into the field that we're creating together as well as the shamanic and, and many other allies and guides. But Wednesday is our time to turn the disk of Mercury up and receive the, the subtle world transmission. So any questions <coughs> just on that before we go into a meditative practice that, that um, brings some experience? Yes. When you're not in a container, what are the groups you choose to work with? that So when you're not in the container, how what group do you work with? Yeah. What what are the groups you choose sure. to do? Sure. Okay, let me give you a little bit on that. <coughs> so So for example, this is just another map of these seven planes. So down here are our chakras. This is the same map. Down here are our chakras, okay? So in the physical plane, my chakras are sitting in my etheric body. And in the big system of planes, what's called the ashrams are on this on these planes. So the ashrams are groupings of souls on the subtle world. Okay? They're not necessarily a, a place in India. That in the etheric body of the world, in the subtle worlds of the world, our souls live in groups. So this is an externalized group, like we've all come together for whatever you know, call has brought us together to work on the physical plane. But in the subtle worlds, the, our, our real soul groups are there. So. Even if I'm alone, I can go work with my soul group. I can go sit in my ashram with my other souls and work to distribute energy there. But if we have group souls starting to land on the physical plane, now we can bring that energy and ground it. So you can work with your group. And even this group here, one of the most beautiful souls that's part of this group soul, is this young woman Leah who's part of the Leah fund, like who hung herself on the very day that we settled this this process. And her for whatever reason, her being in the inner world is part of this. Like she's here. And many subtle level beings are part of this project. So your group isn't always the people that you're in physical incarnational connection with. It's the subtle world. In fact, that's what, as you travel the world and meet people, you know, those people that you just meet and you look in their eyes and you know you you have loved them. You've loved them before. You trust them instantly with the core of your being where someone you've grown up with, you wouldn't. What is that? That's ashramic recognition. That's the recognition of your soul's journey through lives together. So, group soul is something that's revealed, not developed. (coughs) Relationship we develop in our relationship skills with each other, but group soul reveals itself. And this is the group called the revealers. We're here to reveal the fact that we are already connected. And not just to each other, but um, to much deeper levels of being and as we bring those levels here then magic happens. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the question. Anything else before we Yeah, you spoke of the what like when you enter the, into the sun and the first portal in the crown <coughs> then you enter the astral and, and then there's there's the fogginess. Yes. And I just want to yeah because I'm sure happens have I mean, just that fogginess like how to work with that how to work with, the how to work with the fogginess? Yeah. yeah. So you can see here that this is where your chakras are, so this is where your crown chakra is, and this is the whole astral plane, and then this is the mental plane. So a lot of people who actually have operated, their chakras operated, they go to ecstatic dance or whatever, they're they're really running energy in their chakra system, but they haven't developed their mind, their abstract mind, then when you pop out of your chakra system, there's the astral plane. And that's a plane of water. It's a plane of shifting shapes and it's a plane of desire and emotion. So that's where, you know, many psychics work. That's where you can talk to Aunt Ethel, you know, who remembers where the, you know, the her gold coin was buried or whatever. <laughs> so but they're not necessarily in service to the whole because they're not in touch with these higher realms. They're mainly concerned about know their own personal earthly things. And so when the fogginess happens, it's when you've popped out, you're on the astral plane, and then things shift in, like a sudden image comes in, and then an impression comes, and it goes, and then you like zone out for a while, and then something else comes. It's a lack of development of um, higher mind. And what higher mind is, is the capacity to focus, your subtle world attention and penetrate through the astral plane onto the mental plane. Now things get clear. Right? The mental plane has clarity, okay, pristine clarity. It's like sitting on a mountaintop and seeing every blue flower. So, <clears throat> on the subtle planes of the of the mental plane, on the abstract mental plane, this is where all of the sacred geometry and energy patterns and dynamics play out, and that's where the causal body is. So, using discipline to get you through the fogginess. Okay, it's normally like a a lack of presence in the mind that just zones. If you can fine tune your will to penetrate that into, like imagine climbing a mountain. It requires effort. So you get to the top of the mountain, and this is, the, this is the mountain here. So you've got to get through the astral plane and get to the mountaintop, and that's where you can receive impression from the subtle worlds. In biblical terms, this is the temple in the wilderness. This is the temple of Solomon. So the Temple of Solomon on Temple Mount in Jerusalem that they keep you know, getting built and broken and built and broken, the equivalent in the inner world is your causal body. It's the Temple of Solomon. And there's another temple in much more subtle matter called the Temple of Ezekiel, which is the bridge between the soul and Shambhalic worlds. The main thing we want to be able to get to as a group is if you could imagine us all standing on the mountaintop with our little antennas pointed in the same direction, then we can receive impression together. And that's what we want. And it doesn't mean that everyone needs to be there. Some people can be hanging out here and hanging out here. It's fine, as long as the group's doing it. Yes. Uh, um, on the practical level, yes. are we gonna rest in like, pure awareness, with intention to be um, open antenna and rest in the higher mind? Are yes, we're going, to meditate, yes. we're going to climb up the chakra system, yeah. we're going to attempt to cross the astral plane onto the higher mental, be in that pure witness together, and then send up from that place of pure witness our prayer, our ask for help, and then from that we share that energy together as a group, and then we distribute it down through our chakra systems into the world. Yeah. The tricky thing is here is that there's two subtle worlds. Like, the last three planes here are the physical world. So this world is subtle to the physical, and this world is subtle to the physical. So a lot of the times when people say I'm having a spiritual experience, <coughs> they're having an astral experience. They're having an emotional experience on the subtle realm. And this is where, like, Psychic abuse happens in families and so on because we're just not physical bodies. Somebody's um, <coughs> desire body can flow through their chakra system and be fucking with your desire body and your chakra system. So it's subtle, mm. but it's not subtle. Mm. Okay, It's still part to the planet. That's part of the dense world. Even mind is dense. <coughs> that's why we use concrete mind as our, a as our term And our world is run by concrete mind scientific materialism, which lives from here down. So our whole world is in the matter, is in the body of the planet. This is the subtle realms of the planet. So to get to the subtle realms, we need to get to there and then open this door or this portal. Yes. And I just lose the connection, and then it's like back and forth, back and forth. I mm. Right. get my energy up, get the connection, and then I want to get it down, but I lose the connection, and I see. Right. It's frustrating. In yeah. Some Once again, you've got to come back through the astral plane, so you might get that s- a- 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 awakened experience, and then by the time you have come back, it's like bringing a dream back, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you again, this is discipline. Like and it's the thing that most people don't really want to do. It's a bit like going to the gym. You can't just like, oh my God, I'm awake. You have to develop the muscle of meditation, and that requires effort. Um, so when we're sitting every morning, like I'm sure some of you are doing your own meditative practice, which is, you know, great. Some of you will just be sitting there like I am some mornings, going like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, I'm just sitting here, it's like everyone else must be having an amazing experience, I'm wondering what's for breakfast, and it's like, oh no, after I want to, you know, like that experience, right? Where you're like, I'm going through the discipline, but actually isn't, you aren't doing anything. You may as well actually not be sitting there, except that you're training your body to go to meditation every morning. You're not actually in the discipline of consciousness. You're in the discipline of, well I came, didn't I? I got up at seven and I came and sat here, and now I'm going away. But to discipline your consciousness means that while you're sitting there, you need to be doing something. And there's different types of meditation. Some are like, well, I'll just sit in emptiness and blah, blah, blah. But if you want to train that muscle to calibrate your equipment, you have to discipline your awareness. Which means if your awareness is starting to think about breakfast or whatever, you have to be able to pull it back from that. You have to be able to pull it back from... Being lost in the astral currents and in the thinking currents, and you've got to be able to focus it and hold it and hold it and hold it and hold it it till you can penetrate. And then, once you've penetrated and opened, you have to be able to focus and focus to bring it back and bring it back and bring it back until it's registering in your consciousness. Mm. Is there um, like a a more yin version? Like I've heard in some path is like the real yang star where it's like the path of concentration mm. versus the yin version of that that could it get to the same place where it's not concentrating but it's just like letting go further, letting go further, letting go further until it just yeah the flower opens up by itself instead of pushing through. Yes, but but the yin requires something else. So the yang is penetration. You're going up to penetrate the mysteries, right? You're going to the mountaintop and you're sending up your, you know, your phallus. Okay, so why are you penetrating? You're penetrating because, not for your own freedom, because you want energy to then flow into the world. So the yin path is just the reverse of that, is that you focus on what it is that you want in the world. So let's say it's a prayer for, the alleviation of suffering of the sex trade, or whatever it is, the yin is a surrender of yourself into your service, and that energy, which is flowing into the world, opens the portal for the water to flow through. Okay, So you can focus towards the subtle world to ask for help, or you can focus out into the world to allow the energy to flow through you. Um, so those are the two paths there's a the yin path of just allowing whatever happens is normally a lack of discipline mm-hmm. the yin path of i'll surrender everything towards some purpose then brings in focus again but now the focus, focus the surrender, yes in which is the difference between like your king and your queen your king Is the one that goes into the chapel and puts his sword down and prays for the good of the whole kingdom. Okay, so that's the Yang. I want God to tell me what to do for everyone. So this is an old version of it. Like now we would say, I want my soul to be in service to the highest that I can connect to. And the queen is, I want everyone in the kingdom to be flowering and in love. Okay, So the queen path is basically, I'm directing my attention and my focus on the smallest bit of pain in my kingdom, the peasant who's who's struggling in the fields, and that calls the energy through me to that. But both require the discipline of focus. Exactly. Right. In the yes. So, what you're saying is you need the king and the queen in each human being. Mm-hmm. So, even though some people may be more yang and some more yin in a group, if you just are open, then you're open to anything to flow through. Yeah. If you have the king and the queen, the king is reaching for the highest and will accept nothing less. And the queen is making sure that whatever you reach for has direct application in the world of form. Okay, so some final... Yeah. I had a question about um, <coughs> the planes. Who, are there places where um, different kinds of beings reside? Yes. Like you'll meet beings yes, you? exactly. It's like a radio station, and this is the science. Like. We're equipping now, from all of the different worlds, spiritual traditions, Tibetan Buddhism and Wiccan and everything, we're developing now a science of all of the mystical experiences that people are having is is just something that we haven't yet been able to fully understand and calibrate. So. As we start to cross-reference them all, we're seeing, oh, this kind of experience tends to happen here. This, this is a near-death kind of experience that would happen in the Christian world or in the Apache world is going to be different. So in this, in this plane system, these, is, these are the planes where you have the subtle emotional experiences. This is where people um, think. There's often a big battle between the mental plane and the astral, between the feelers and the thinkers. But then that's reconciled up here, which is the plane of buddhi. So this is where you're now having um, past life memory recall. You're having spontaneous um, floods of love flowing through your heart and your astral body as the buddhic plane comes into the astral plane. So this is emotional experiences. This is love pouring through the emotional experiences. This is more the plane of spiritual will. So this is now where you are in touch with that really pristine um, higher will, which is not so much the loving connection with everyone, but it's like, what is the force of evolution? And this is where it gets much harder. You're more likely to undergo crucifixion-type experiences because the will may be misunderstood. Your love may not actually be you know recognized as love. And then you're moving into the more non-dual experiences that we call Shambhala. So as you know, and people have done this, some friends have done this too, as like gathered all of the mystical experiences from the world's traditions, used models like Wilbur's models and others that look at states and stages of consciousness and the spiral dynamics and like putting maps, great maps together, Of where all of these experiences that humans have are located and then how to help those experiences (coughs) happen. And then the next step is how to do that collectively so that everything gets accelerated um, rather than everyone on their individual path. Okay, so that's the the prep for the day and now I want to go into some meditative practice together before we do we'll just take a break for a pee and whatever so 10 minutes and when you come back could you come back to your place on the mandala what is it okay thanks